All right, well, if you good, would go to uh, our text, our text that we've been, uh, we start off with Romans 10, 17. Romans 10, 17. And then from there, we'll go to Proverbs 29, 18. And then from there, we'll go to Psalms 89, 19. And then from there, we'll go to, no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Prov- Romans 10, 17. And we're continuing on our series to fight for your vision. And we've already covered a lot of foundation, okay? We've already covered a lot of ground. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to, I like to review a little bit because it's good to to refresh and remind ourselves of what we've been feeding on. But we want to go a little further with this and, and see what God has for us today. But it says in Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we've been talking about your faith and vision and the connection between the two of them. And we, we talked about, like I said before, we've already covered a lot of ground. And we said that when faith comes, faith comes when you see something right? Faith comes when you see something. If there is no revelation, if there's nothing revealed to you, then no faith came, okay? And we talked about that in the, I believe in the first one and, and everyone we, we've uh, touched on it a little bit. So, and so if you're baffled, right? And if you're confused when you hear something, if you don't understand, you know, the words that are coming out of my mouth and you don't understand the language, then can any faith come in your heart? Can any faith, can, can you get any vision if you don't understand what I'm saying? No, right? It, it, you know, the, I don't know if um, you don't know much Spanish probably, right? So, so the lady came in here earlier and dropped off water or she was asking me in Spanish, did you guys get your water? I, you know, and I talked back to her in Spanish. Well, if you don't understand her, if you don't understand what she's saying, you're not getting a picture of anything. It's just gibberish, right? It's just, it, it's like I knew a guy that said when he first came to America, a friend of ours, when he first came to America from Puerto Rico, he, he said it sounded like people were like buzzing bees the way they talked. Uh, you know, I never heard anybody describe it like that, but he said it sounded like bzz, bzz, bzz. <laughs> he couldn't understand anything. So he's getting no image, no picture of nothing, right? So if, if, he's, in a, if he's in a church service and the word is going forth, and I don't care how eloquent the preacher's preaching, and I don't care how fiery he is and how passionate he is. If he's up there and all the hear- guy is hearing his bzzz, 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 is any faith coming? Can he get any faith for that? <laughs> no, no. And this is the way, vision is the way that God communicates to us. Vision and images is the way he speaks to us, right? In Psalm 89, uh, 89 19, he says, for you spoke to your holy one in vision. Vision. Vision is how he speaks to us. That's Psalm 89, 19. And so when you see it, faith comes. You know, when, I say, when I'm saying when you see something, faith can come, I'm speaking in general terms to people that believe, okay? Now, you, you can hear something, see it very clearly, and reject it as truth, right? The, the Bible talks about that. It talks about there are those that heard the word and when they heard the word, understood the word, and they received the word as truth. And when they received the word as truth, it, it, it bore fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold, right? So if you can hear the word and understand it, so you see clearly, you know, that's the way Jesus ministered, right? Jesus ministered in parables. What was that? He was taking something that they couldn't see and likening it to something that they can see in the natural, that they know exactly how it works. They know exactly how it functions and how it operates. He was comparing it to uh, something they can see, the, the kingdom of God, these spiritual things, things they can't see. So now when he compares it and likens it to something that they can see, they can see it now inside. They see, oh, okay, we see, we understand that now. We understand how the kingdom works. But you can have the truth right before your eyes and you can choose to reject it. You can choose to reject the truth, amen? 
Jesus in his own hometown and is, you know, amongst people that they saw the things that he did. It says that they heard his wisdom and they saw the miracles. You can read that in Mark 4. They saw these things. They heard this wisdom and they reasoned like, who does this guy think he is? We know who he is. He's a carpenter. We know his family. We know who he, his mother and Joseph and his brothers. We know who he is. And they, ah, they rejected it. They rejected what they saw. So just because we see something, that doesn't automatically mean faith is going to come. Faith is a choice. You have to choose to believe it, right? You have to choose to believe it. And, and Jesus marveled at those people. He was shocked. He was astonished at their unbelief. He's like, wow, they, they see what is happening. They hear the wisdom and they just, nah, we know that guy. We know where he's from. We know his upbringing. We know, we know all about him. See, you can, choose to, you can choose to reject something that you see. People are doing that all the time. People are rejecting truth all the time. You know, we, we live in a, a culture where we need to be very careful about what we are accepting as truth, about what we are looking at. There is so much deception out there. So everything, the enemy is trying to deceive us from every angle and it, it, from everywhere, everything you turn on, everything you listen to, there is deception out there. The enemy has his, you know, messengers too. And, and sometimes people within a church, well-meaning people, we can believe some of those things and we can start to regurgitate it and we can start to parrot it. We need to be very careful about what we are looking at and what we are just receiving as truth. We need to stick with absolute truth, things that we know for sure are in the word of God. Amen. We need to be certain that that's the word of God. If you know, there's so many different things that are just uh, you can easily accept it because we're in this world. You know, the Bible says that we're, we're in this world, but we're not of this world, and that we're not to be conformed to this world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And sometimes you may not know the exact truth about a situation or what happened in that situation, but we know the truth. And the more you know the truth, it's easy to identify something that's a counterfeit. You know, it's easy to identify something that's not true. You know, I heard this example years ago, I forgot the name of the, the, the minister, but uh, he was at a bank. This was like in the 70s. I listened to a lot of old preachers, but he was in a bank and uh, he was taking a tour uh, of this bank and finding out how they uh, separate the real money from the counterfeit bills. And what it is, is that you would think that they study the counterfeit bills and they, they are just focused on what all the different types of counterfeit bills are. But that's not what they were doing. There were people in a room and before they even can handle money and deal with the money in this bank, they had to learn and be so familiar with the real bills that they were able to spot a counterfeit, not because they were studying the counterfeits, but because they knew what the real looked like. They were so familiar with it, they handled it for weeks and weeks and weeks and every day, that's all they did. So that when a counterfeit came, they said, mm, they weren't sure, maybe they weren't exactly sure why it was counterfeit, but they knew this ain't real. Something about this is off. They knew then it that wasn't real. And so that's the way we need to be with things that are going on around us is that we know the truth and we know something is not right in my spirit about that. There's, there, that's, that's a spirit of anger. That's a spirit of bitterness. And you, people can try to package it up in many different ways. You know, you know, people say a lot of different things. I don't care what nobody says. I'm speaking the truth. Well, I mean, are you? I mean, how do we know that? Like you verify everything with the word of God. We verify, we go to the word of God for everything and we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth and he's a spirit of peace. Now, yeah, he corrects you. And yeah, there's times where you need to be jarred and because you're thinking wrong. But don't just 
gullibly believe everything you hear and see and watch and say, oh, wow, that happened. Well, how do you know? You A lot of things we just weren't there. We don't know. Don't just accept everything we hear. We don't want to be, you know, that's that's problem with Christians too is that people have taken advantage of Christians because they do, you know, we're, we're taught to trust God and believe God, but that's God. That don't mean we just trust every person we run into. We love people, but we don't just trust them blindly without knowing them, without getting familiar with them. Say, hey, I'm a Christian and I got a good deal for you. Well, I don't, I don't really know you. You know, unless the Lord tells me to deal with you and to go in business with, with you. You know what I'm saying? That we, we need to not just be gullible. We need to stick with the truth and be led by the Holy Spirit in everything we do. And yeah, sometimes we'll make a mistake. We'll miss it. But thank God for his grace and his forgiveness. Amen. But we've been talking about having this right vision. And in Proverbs 29, 18, if I keep taking rabbit trails, we're going to be here for a while. So Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law happy is he. Where there is no revelation, the, new, the NIV says people cast off restraint. Where there's no revelation, see revelation, you see something. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. And last service I believe it was the last service, we got into the different types of vision, that there's different kinds of vision. There is spiritual vision and that there is natural vision, right? John 16, 13 says, how be it when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will, uh, and he will also what? Show you things to come. If he is showing you things to come, that means you can see. That means you can see something. Now, when we're talking about seeing, we're not talking about natural seeing. The reason why I'm emphasizing that is because I think people think sometimes that we are looking for signs. You know, Jesus said an unbelieving generation looks for signs. We are not in this faith walk, in this life of faith, and in the New Testament where we have the Holy Spirit, we are not to be living like in the Old Testament where they threw out fleeces. Because sometimes people say, well, Gideon, he threw out fleece. So people would pray, Lord, if you want me to take this job, please send 10 of my friends by my house all at once to say, thus says the Lord, that job is yours. No, we, that is not how we're to be led in the New Testament. You know, we're not to throw out fleeces. I, you, I mean, we're laughing about this, but I hear people, friends that I thought knew better than this still doing that. They said, man, I just threw out a fleece. I said, Lord, if you want me to do this, send a car, buy my house that's red. You know, stuff like that. Well, that is not how we are to be led in the New Testament. We have the Holy Spirit. So when it says he shows us things to come, it's not necessary. Now, he will confirm some things. Now, and he can do something. Say, well, I prayed something and the Lord did something like that. Yes, when there are times where, especially when you're starting off in your faith, as a baby Christian, the Lord will do things like that. He will, you know, uh, send somebody by. I'm not saying that. He, he uses people. He uses people to confirm things. I, I'm not saying that he doesn't, but we are not praying for signs like, Lord, you know, strike my lawn with a lightning bolt and I will know that this is the spouse for me. No, that is not what the way we're supposed to live, okay? So he will show us things to come. So that means they're a spiritual sight, they're spiritual vision. And in 2 Corinthians 4.18, let's go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 4. Second Corinthians four and verse 18. There's, we're talking about natural vision and spiritual vision. Second Corinthians four eighteen. We read this last time. You know, just because you read a scripture one time doesn't mean we exhausted all the revelation out of it. The word is living, and it's good to put your eyes on the word of God <clears throat> repeatedly because there are things in there that you won't. There's things. I was seeing last night, I was like, oh my goodness, I don't know why I didn't see it that way before. Well, the, the, you know, no one has all the revelation there is. 
2 Corinthians 4.18 says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So even though we walk by faith and not by sight, not by what we see in the natural, we're not to walk by our feelings. You know, feelings change. Feelings are fickle, right? I mean, you may feel good and happy one moment, and 10 minutes later, something can happen, you feel a different way. Even though we are not supposed to walk by what is temporary, feelings are a good indicator of what you are looking at inside. Feelings are a good indicator of what you are looking at inside. So we don't want to just completely do away with feelings. We want to question, okay, wait, why am I feeling this way? If you are down and sad and depressed and angry and just have anxiety and just in a panic, you're looking at the wrong thing. You're looking at what can change. You're looking at the natural circumstances. I mean, think about this. If you're in faith and you have a vision, you have a vision, a good vision, right? God has given you a good vision and you see good things happening. You see maybe you're dealing with a, 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 a you know, relationship is, issue with your child, with your spouse or whatever the situation may be. And you are believing God. The Lord gave you. He showed you that that's, that's going to be restored. Things are going to work out. Things are going to come together. If you have that vision, how can you be down? How can you be sad? If I said to you, let's say today, you owe $1,000 on your car bill, your car note or whatever, and you don't have the money. And I say, you know, I'm going to take care of that for you. Meet me Tuesday at such and such place. I'm going to, at the bank, I'm going to give you that money. It's going to be taken care of. You have a vision, right? You see something. You see, all right, that's taken care of. Are you down? Are you depressed about that? Are you sad about that still? Or are you excited? Are you like, man, praise God, you're excited, you're walking around happy, you're not down. If, if you're still down and depressed, then you, you either don't believe it or you, you don't see it or something, something's wrong. If, if I catch you, you know, the next day before Tuesday, I say, hey, what are you down about? Well, man, my car note, you know, it's, it's due Friday. I don't got the money. <laughs> didn't I tell you that I'm going to take care of that? Why are you down? See, you, then you're looking at the wrong thing. And we can't, you know, we have to be honest with ourselves. When we are down and we are discouraged about something, what are we looking at? What are we focused on? Right? The Bible in Romans 8, 6 says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So we don't want to build our lives on something that can change. The temporary says we don't look at things that are seen. Why? Because those things that are seen are temporary. They're changing all the time. Things are changing all the time. Things in this world, what we can see, what we can taste, what we can feel, what we can touch, all these things are changing all the time. They're not on a solid foundation. We don't want to base our lives. We don't want to base our joy. We don't want to base our peace and our happiness on something that is constantly changing. Amen. But if we could just see with the eyes of faith, you know, when you are, if you are physically attacked in your body, if you're feeling pain and you're dealing with some symptoms in your body, well, it went from good to bad. So that means it can change from bad to good, right? It, it can change. So we don't want to focus on the temporary. We don't want to just be moved by the pain. Now, I know when you're in a challenging situation, when you got pain in your body or, you, you know, you've, you're dealing with some sickness or some, uh, some symptoms, it's, it's challenging. It's challenging because it's screaming at you. It's looking at you in the face. And every moment it's saying, and you're, you're, you're believing the word of God. It says, by his stripes, I am the healed of the Lord and, and his healing power is flowing through my body and whatever your vision is regarding that. And the thing is right here in front of you saying, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, 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 no. I mean, I, I know there's been times I, I had uh, previously in the pe years past, I had a back issue. 
And uh, man, I mean, talking about severe pain, severe pain. And there's times where you that pain hits you like, oh, my, in the middle of the night or whatever. And you are tempted just to focus on that. Oh, my, what you, you know, it's so painful. You think you're going to cry. But there's times and you she, I probably woke her up and I'm saying, no, I'm the healed of the Lord in the name of Jesus. What am I doing? I, what am I doing? I'm, tr- I'm purposing to get my mind on the word of God, on what the word of God says. And, it's, and you may have to do that 100 times in a day or maybe more. But if you can have a vision of victory and keep that in front of you, we'll see that you'll get results. And the word of God, see, the thing is, we want to not be focused on what can change and not have our mind on what can change. We want to put our mind on what cannot change. What we see out here changes. But is there anything that doesn't change? Is there anything that exists that doesn't change? What about the word of God? What about God? Does he change? No. In Malachi, he says, for I am the Lord and I change not. What about his word? Does his word change? No, the the Bible says that his word is forever settled in heaven. It's established. His word does not change. So we can we can base our life on this. We can look at this and say, you know what? God does not change. His word does not change. We have a redemption and a salvation that does not change. And so that is what we build our lives on. We build our lives on what does not change. Amen. And that's what we look at. That's what we keep our mind on. Let's go to uh, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. I mean, the, the God does not change, and his love for us does not change. His love for us does not change. The Bible says, who can separate us from the love of God? Nothing, not tribulation, not persecution, not nakedness, not famine, none of these things. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And that does not change. Maybe somebody, you know, down on this earth, maybe their love for you changed. But God, his love, and that's who matters. His love will never change. Amen. Colossians 3.1, like I said, you know, I know these things can be real and they can be screaming at you, you know, but there are times where you have to you have to catch yourself when you find yourself tempted to look at things in the natural and to get down about what you're not seeing or to get down about what you are seeing, something that will change. You need to catch yourself and, and, and you know, if you have to look at them and say, no, what are you doing? Stop looking at that. Look at what the word of God says. Look at the vision that he has given you. Look at what you see by faith. Look at that. And that should put you in a state of peace and of joy. Amen. Get his thoughts, his images inside of you. Colossians 3. Uh, Colossians 3. Let's start in verse 1. It says, if you then be risen with Christ. Seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Did you, did you know, let's stop right there real quick. Did you know that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places? We're seated with Christ in heavenly places, whether we know it or not. Actually, you know what, keep your place there and go to um, Ephesians. E- Ephesians. Ephesians, the uh, second chapter. Let's see here. Ephesians, the second chapter. Keep your place in Colossians. I said that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And whether we understand all that or not, it says in Ephesians 2, verse 4, but God who is rich and mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us. That means made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you are saved and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we are seated with Jesus, the Bible says, in heavenly places, and if Jesus is seated on the right hand of the Father, where are we seated? If we're seated with Jesus, 
and he's on the right hand of the Father, where are we seated? Where are we seated? See, this seat that Jesus has, this position is a position of authority. It's a position of, uh, of royalty. He is in right standing with the Father. And he's, right, he's seated right next to him. Notice that Jesus is not seated in another room somewhere, <laughs> you know, away from the Father. He's not somewhere hidden out of view. He's not ashamed of his son Jesus. He has him seated right next to him where all the angels and everybody can see that this is my son and I'm pleased with him. He's not ashamed of Jesus. And the word of God says that if you are not ashamed of Jesus, that the father and that he won't be ashamed of you in front of the father. And so we are seated with Jesus. He's not ashamed of us. Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brethren, his sister. So we are seated with Jesus. We need to we need to understand. We need to get a vision of that, that may, we may not understand all what that means, but we need a vision that I am seated with Jesus. My position down here right now is that I am seated with Jesus. This is not when we get to heaven. He has made us alive together right now, the Bible says, and we are seated with him right now in heavenly places. You know, I'm a, let's, uh, you, you don't, what version of the Bible do you have, babe? Oh, NIV. Um, I'm going to read that from the Amplified. Ephi, let me just type this in real quick. Ephesians chapter 2. Just look this up in the Amplified. It's good to have a tablet. I, I used to preach just with Bible and uh, paper for a long time, but I was kind of old school. It says this in Ephesians 2.4, this the Amplified. But God so rich is he in his mercy because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses, he made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ himself. Mm, did you hear that? He gave us the, the very life of Christ himself, the same new life with which he quickened him for. It is by grace, his favor and mercy, which you did not deserve, that you are saved, delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation. And he raised us up together with him and made us sit down together, giving us joint seating with him in the heavenly sphere by virtue of our being in Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one. Did you see that we are, we have joint seating with Jesus? Man, we we need a revelation of that, that we are we are seated with Jesus. See, we may be in a bad position right now. Maybe you're seated in an uncomfortable, a bad position right now in the natural. But if you can just see that, no, that's temporary. I'm seated with Jesus. And, and this has to change. This circumstance and situation has to change because I, I, I'm seated with Jesus. I'm royalty. I'm a child of the God. I'm a child of God. And he is not ashamed of me. Amen. So let's go back to Colossians 3. Colossians chapter 3. So we, we need to not walk with our head down. We know we didn't pick that head up. Hold your head high. Look people in the eye. Know who you are in Christ. You're a child of God and he is not ashamed of you. Just like Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. That's where you are spiritually. He, if, you, if you've accepted Jesus, you're in right standing with him. That's what righteousness means. Righteousness means that you are you have right standing with the father. You're all right with him. You're all, you don't need to, you know, duck your head. And every time you pray, Lord, I, I know I'm, I'm so unworthy, Lord. I know. Now, of course, we 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 come before him humbly and he is holy and he is and we reverence him. And, and we've talked about that in times past, the fear of God. And, and we reverence the Lord. But he has made us worthy. I heard uh now, you, you know, judge this, whether you believe this or not. I believe this, but I know Kenneth Hagin, he had a vision from the head of the church, Jesus. And he, when Jesus appeared to him, 
he immediately dropped to the ground. I believe this was a vision or uh, something like that. And he immediately dropped to the ground. He said looking at him was like looking at in his eyes was like living wells of love. He could he that's the best way he could describe it. And he dropped to his feet and said, oh, Lord, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy that I look at you. And the Lord firmly said, stand up, stand up. He said, I have made you worthy to look at me. Is it true? Are we seated? Are we joint heirs with Jesus? This is not to be haughty or prideful, but we have been, Jesus made us worthy. The Bible says we can come boldly to the throne of a room of grace and obtain mercy and help in our time of need. We can come boldly, boldly, not ashamed, not scared, not afraid. Amen. Colossians 3, it says, back to verse 1, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. So that word affection, if you look at that in most other translations, it says mind. It says mind. So your mind is what you see with, right? Your mind is where vision takes place, is where you see inside. You know, another way of saying this scripture is that we don't look at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen, right? He's saying set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Very, very familiar, very similar, right? To saying we don't look on the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. Well, how do you do that? How do you set your mind on things and put your mind on things that you can't see you and, and take your mind off of things that you are seeing you do that by faith by faith and just based on what we talk, we've been talking about you should be seeing that there is a connection between walking and living by faith and having victory and having the right vision right you see that that there is you cannot you know, anyone that has had some type of victory in their life, had some type of faith, that's a person that has had a vision. They've had a vision of a different place than where they are in their life right now. You cannot separate faith and vision and you cannot have a life of victory. You cannot have a life of overcoming without having the right vision on the inside of you. And this vision is so important that this is what Paul prayed for continuously. And we'll see this when you go to, go to, uh, are you in the book of Ephesians? Actually, go to the book of Ephesians. I should have just had you stay there. Faith and vision go hand in hand. They're, they're inseparable. And this is so important. This is what Paul prayed in the Ephesian in Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse, let's see, we'll start in verse 16. Ephesians 1, 16. I'll wait till you get there. Ephesians 1, 16 says, How I remember... Uh, uh, just to help you guys out, how I remember where Ephesians is, is uh, in the epistles, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I'll never forget this. I know you're laughing, but go eat popcorn. <laughs> go eat popcorn. What, what, where do you get that from? Go for Galatians starts with a G. Popcorn, Philippians, eat Ephesians, corn, or uh Pop Philippians corn. Did I say that right? What? Go eat popcorn. Go eat popcorn. That's it. Go Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So I just throw that out extra, no charge for that. Just to help you guys out. <laughs> but Ephesians 1:16 says, Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, 
the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. So how's the spirit of wisdom and revelation going to occur? The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. What is that? Opened. You see the eyes of your understanding being that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come and he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him that fills all and on notice that Paul is not praying that God would do something for us. Notice that he's not asking God to do something for us. He's asking that the Lord will show us what he has already done for us. Isn't that what he's saying? He's saying, Lord, open their eyes so that they can see what's already done for them. If, if, if you know, just to condense it, he's not saying, Lord, you know, Show them what you're going to do. do. He's not saying do something for them. He's praying, Lord, open their eyes so that they see what has been done for them already. So many people, so many Christians, they do not understand what has been already provided for them. They don't understand what has already been given to them by grace. See, everything you know, that we need for life and guidance has already been provided by grace. But we have to possess it take hold of it, access it by faith, by faith. And faith are the hands that take, faith are, are the hands that take what has already been provided for you. Like I said in that illustration about if I'm going to pay your car note. Well, in order to receive that grace, that gift, you have to reach out your hands and take it. You have to possess it. So there are many things that the Lord has already provided but Christians don't see it and they're begging and asking God to do things for them that them that they the Lord has already done. But Paul is praying, Lord, show them, let them see who they are in Christ. Let them see what belongs to them. See that the power that is available to them. See what has been purchased for them already and see how it was done and see how it, you know, when it was done and where it was done. He wants us to see that. And he's not talking about see this when we get to heaven. Paul is not praying to the father that, Lord, when they get to heaven, let them finally see what you've made available to them. No, Paul is saying, let them see right now what you have made available to them. Let them see right now their calling, what you've called them to do, what you've called them to be, what you have enabled them to do, what you have enabled them to be. He wants us to see it right now. Amen. See, the, the, the Lord, you know, sometimes people ask, well, if, if God if he loves me so much and, and he loves us, why is he allowing this situation in our life? Why is he allow, or why did he, why is he not doing something about my situation? Why is he not taking away this problem? Because he already has. The question is, when are we going to believe it? And when are we going to take hold of it and receive it by faith? The Lord has already gotten the victory for us. The Lord has already purchased salvation for us. He's already purchased redemption for us. You know, he's already redeemed us from the curse of the law. The Bible says in the, in, in the curse of the law, there's sickness, there's poverty, there's all kinds of issues. He's already redeemed us. He's already taken that from us. The Lord has already, the Bible says, bore our transgressions. He's already, already taken them. He's already, uh, you know, given us our healing. By his stripes, the Bible says we are healed. And the Bible says that he already took the punishment, the chastisement that brought us peace. What is that? That's mental issues, mental health issues. You know, just because the definitions of things change, that doesn't mean and it sounds new. That doesn't mean that the Lord was caught off guard. He already took care of those things. He already took, you know, so so 
depression, panic, worrying, you know, all these issues, all these mental health issues, you know, a lot of them, if you look at these things, and this is not to, you know, make fun of those things, people are really dealing with things, but they've been taken care of. Jesus, it has to do with what you're looking at. It has to do with what you're focused on. I remember, you know, in sixth grade, I started seeing this. Um, I went to, uh, I, well, we all went to school, but in sixth grade, I went to school with a girl who, a young lady who, you know, she ended up being in a psychiatric hospital. Very sad. You, at sixth grade, you should not have to be put in a, you know, mental institution or psychi- psychiatric hospital. And found out that she was put in there because she was always thinking and depressed and focused on all the issues that were going on in the world. At sixth grade, she was, she was thinking about all the, the bad things that were happening, all the things that, you know, all, you know, just every bad thing. I don't even know all the bad things, but she ended up being so depressed and just couldn't function properly. And she, you know, beautiful young girl, you know, smart and intelligent, but just always focused, always had a vision of something bad. And what happened that caused her to be put in a, in a place where little, a little girl should not be, you know, what does, what does the Bible say? See, the Bible's true, whether we believe it or not, whether we act upon it or not. What did Jesus say? What, or what does the word of God say? He is the word. But what does it say in Isaiah? He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. So if your mind is stayed on him, can you, what's going to happen? You're going to be in perfect peace if your mind is on him. If you're setting your affection, if you're setting your mind on things above, you can't go into panic and you can't be depressed if your mind is on the glorious goodness of God, right? That, that can't happen. That can't happen. And so we need to understand these things and that we, yes, we want to help people that are dealing with those situations. And, but that we are to keep our mind on him. And when we have mind, when we have our mind on him, we'll be at peace. We'll be at peace. You don't have to worry that, you know, don't be afraid that something is going to happen to you mentally. You know, you're, you're, you're not just all of a sudden going to just, a switch is going to happen. I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, uh, I'm in a state of anxiety and panic. Well, we can tell you what ha- what's happening. You're looking at the wrong thing. And again, all of us have been there where we've looked at the wrong thing. You start to get down and you, st- you look at somebody's face and you could tell mm, they're, they're dealing with something right there. They're looking at the wrong thing right now. And that's, that's a lot of the problem of what we see going on in our culture, what we see when we, when you hear of mass killings and mass, you know, some of these murderers and things that have done gross things, they, they were feeding their mind the wrong things. They were feeding a wrong image and feeding and feeding. And, and you know, you gotta be careful what you're watching out there. You gotta be careful what you're listening to. And, and, and it's not just the thing that maybe you saw one time, but the thing you are continually feeding on and feeding on and feeding on, and watching, and watching. Man, you are opening up the door to spirits. You're opening up the door to enemy to give you that vision, to, to feed a vision of you doing that, and you doing something heinous, and you doing something horrible. You know, that's, that's all, that's what is happening. But the Lord has already gotten us the victory, amen? And it's interesting that Paul you know, would be the one to pray that we would see who we are in Christ, what is available to us. It's interesting, and it makes sense, because if you look at Paul before his conversion, Paul was not a good guy. He was a bad guy. He was a, he was a bad dude, right? And he was what? He was a vessel for the enemy to destroy the church, to persecute the church, and now, Paul, he, he's converted. He saw, wait a minute, he saw that he is the Christ, and then he saw who he was in Christ. And now Paul says, you know, um, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yeah, it's not me. 
But it's Christ that lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. See, he knew that old me, that old me is gone. That's not me anymore. I know who I am now. I have a different image. I have a different vision of myself, right? The, he also said, if any man's in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. Isn't it interesting that the Lord would use somebody that was persecuting the church, that was wreaking havoc on the church to give them a revelation of who they are in Christ so that they see they, and teach that to sons and teach that to the churches to show we are not who we used to be anymore. We are not. And see, that is why there are so people act and treat and deal th with things the way they do is because the way they see themselves and the way they see situations, the way they see things, the way you see something has a lot to do with how you're going to treat it and how you deal with it. Right. You know, if I walk into a restaurant I, and, uh, you know, I, I, I walk in the restaurant and you know, they don't seat me right away. Now, I could, my, your mind could go a thousand different directions, right? Or I could say, you know what? Man, they're probably really busy. Somebody's stressed out. Who knows? See, and then that would affect the way I deal with the situation, right? If I, if I look at it a certain way, if I look at it this way, I, you guys don't want my, you don't want my money. My money's green too. And I just go off on a tangent or whatever. Well, how you look at something, how you see something is how you're going to deal with something. And we'll, we'll talk about that at, at another time. But it's important how we see ourselves. It's important that we have a vision, a good vision of ourselves. If you see yourself as dumb, unintelligent, you know, just foolish, clumsy person, and that's how you see yourself, well, your faith is going to work to cause what you see inside to come to pass. Your faith works to cause your vision to come to pass. You remember, we talked about that. Your faith works to call your, your, your vision is the target your faith aims for, but it's your faith that causes your vision to come to pass. You know, that's why people experience the same things over and over a lot of times in their life, because that's the way they see themselves. That's the vision they have. They, 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 they have a vision of, man, every time I do this, I, I fail. Every time I do this, it doesn't work out. Every time I do, you know, you know I fall, I'm clumsy, I'm, I'm a knucklehead, you know, I never get anything right. Well, they don't realize that, but they're causing that to come to pass because they believe that, which is their faith. And they have a vision of that. And your faith is working to cause your vision to come to pass. Go to Mark 11. You'll see this. Jesus saying this. Mark 11. Right? What does Proverbs 23, 7 says? For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As you see yourself inside, that, that's how it will be. Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus is speaking here, and he says, Answering said unto them, Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. You see that? Doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. Doubt in his heart. Do you see vision and faith there? Vision. You, you, don't, you see inside that when you speak to that mountain, when you speak to that situation, it is going to be removed. And you're not doubting it. You are not doubting it. And so this is the way that God operates, and this is the way that we are to operate. This is the way God designed us to operate. You know, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, he created them by faith-filled words, right? He spoke it. But before he spoke those faith-filled words, he had a vision. He saw something inside. The Bible talks about that. It talks about by the wisdom the Lord founded the earth, okay? 
And by the knowledge, he, 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 he formed the heavens and the earth. And so he knew exactly how it was going to work. He knew exactly how it was going to function and what it was going to look like. He conceived it inside. He saw it inside. And when he saw it inside, he spoke faith-filled words and it came to pass. Why am I talking about this? Because your faith needs a target. Your faith needs a vision. Your faith doesn't just work, you know, as an entity of its own. It's not just working out here by itself. You have to have something that you're aiming at. You have to have a target. You have to have a vision that you are believing for. You can't just say, you know, I'm believing God. Well, believe in God for what? Uh, you know, just believe in him. Well, no, you need to be specific. It's, it's like the preacher that walked by, you know, he was having a prayer meeting in his church and everybody, you know, was praying and he went one by one, one by one and asked them, what are you praying for? And one guy said, uh, nothing in particular. He said, well, that's what you'll have. Nothing in particular. <laughs> Your faith needs a vision. Your faith needs a target. He can't just be, I'm believing God. Okay, what are you believing for? And that's what Jesus is saying. It's got to be directed at something. Okay, you aim at nothing, you're going to hit nothing. If I'm an archer and I come in here with some bow and arrows and, you know, I just, there's no target I'm aiming at. Well, what am I doing? What, what am I aiming at? I'm not going to hit anything if I'm not aiming at anything, right? Another way of saying this is your faith is, your vision is the blueprint that your faith brings to pass. You see that your faith, your vision, I'm sorry, your vision is the blueprint that your faith works to produce or, and bring to pass. Okay. You, you know, if you were going to build a house and you hire some contractors and you say, I want to build a custom home. They say, okay, all right, we do that. Where's the blueprint? Well, I don't have a blueprint. What, what kind of house are they going to build? How are they going to build a house? They have no blueprint. They have no vision, right? I mean, that would be a, a wreck if they did start to build with no blueprint. And they, you know, you have the plumber coming in and he just starts putting plumbing anywhere. And you have an electrician coming in, concrete guy. It's, there's not going to be no cohesiveness about it or anything like that. No, if they are going to build you a house and do it the right way, it's going to be their vision and not yours. Your faith needs your, um, your faith needs a blueprint. It needs a vision. Do you see that? It needs a blueprint. And getting a vision from God is a strong foundation that will get you through some of the toughest times and challenges in your life. We already talked about Joseph. We already talked about Joseph and how he had a vision that the Lord gave him. And he held on to that vision. And it got him through some tough times. And we're just talking about Paul. Paul had a vision. Paul had a vision that he was to take this message of who we are in Christ, the gospel, to the known world, to the Gentiles and to the kings, to Felix and, and Festus and Caesar. And there was a time that he was on the boat. And, and we're not going to take the time to go through that story. I think it's in Acts 26. But um, he, he uh, was on the boat. Who remembers that? He was on a boat and caught in the storm. He was caught in the typhoon. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and he said, you're not going to die out here, Paul, in this storm. You're not going to die out here because you have to go to Caesar. And he's what happened. Paul, Paul got up and said, we're not going to die out here. The angel of the Lord appeared to me. We're not going to die out here. None of your lives will be taken from you. You know what happened? He had a vision of, no, I can't die out here. I got to go to Caesar. I got to preach to Caesar. And because of that, he see, when you get a vision of what God has called you to do and of who you are, that will get you through some tough times. You'll say, wait a minute, I cannot die from this sickness. I cannot die from this disease because the Lord showed me that I was going to do this. The Lord showed me that I'm going to do that. He showed me that this was going to happen in my life. So I can't die here. I can't just succumb to this financial situation. I can't just succumb to this issue, whatever it may be, because I have a vision from the Lord. He already showed me what was going to happen. So I don't got time for this. See, when the vision 
vision that God, you know, has given you gets bigger than the circumstance, you'll have victory. When the vision that God gets inside of you can't be down, you can't be depressed. Yeah, some situations and challenges are going to come. And a lot of times those situations in the, in the toughest times will be in the beginning days when you first get that vision. And when you first step out to do, you know, that business or, or that ministry or, or whatever God's calling you to do, some of those times are the toughest times. They're the most challenging times because the enemy is trying to steal your vision. The enemy, the enemy is trying to get you off track and off course because he can sometimes he, he don't see everything, but he knows you know, if I can just stop him from moving forward in this and, and stop her from doing that, from accomplishing this, then you won't accomplish what God has for you. And the lives won't be touched. People won't be saved. People won't, you know, be uh, spared or whatever it may be. So a lot of times those are the, the toughest times are the beginning days of when you're stepping out and when you're endeavoring to do the vision God gave you. But if you can hold on to that vision, if you can hold on to what God has given you. What about Abraham and Sarah? Abraham and Sarah, they had a vision, right? They had a vision. And for 25 years, they had to walk around saying and speaking that vision. He had to say, she had to call him Abraham. That meant a father of a multitude. I don't know where he was going through the town, through the villages. And she was saying, Abraham, people probably laughing. <laughs> he don't got no kids. He don't got no seed. And he had to hold on to that vision. And she had to hold on to that vision. That's why they're in Hebrews 11, because they held on to that vision and they did not let go of the vision. What about David? What about David? You guys know anything about David and Goliath? Let's go to uh, 1 Samuel. We'll close with this. 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. David had a vision. He was just a young boy, but had a vision. 1 Samuel 17. Glory to God. I'm stirring myself up. I have a vision. What about you? You guys have a vision about anything. Has the Lord said anything to you? Has he showed you anything to you? Hold on to that vision. Know who you are. Get an overcoming vision inside of you. Now, we know that uh, David was just a young boy. He was a keeper of the sheep. I'm not going to go over everything. But Goliath has come out and he is with the Philistines and he's challenged the Israelite army, right? He's challenged them. And man, these guys, these soldiers in Israel are shaking in their boots. They're scared. They're afraid. They're, they're concerned because this giant Goliath, he is what, close to 10 feet tall. So a guy 10 feet tall, you got to assume that he's at least 500 pounds. I, I don't know. I mean, I would think a guy that big and who's a trained warrior probably got some muscle on him and the, the things he's holding as far as his, you know, spear and his uh, shield and his armor. He's got to be a big guy. OK. And first Samuel 17. Let's start in uh, verse 31. And when the word so David says, hey, I could take this guy. I'm going to take this guy, you know. He goes and, and he, his brothers are mad at him. You know, they're mad because he, he's got faith and they don't. You know, when you have big vision and big faith and other people don't, they'll be, they'll be upset with you sometimes. They'll be upset when you're like, man, we're believing God for big things. We're believing God for, you know, we're believing God for big buildings and land and we're going to expand and reach people. Ah, people have no faith, little vision. Ah, they, they'll, they'll, you know poo-poo on your vision and on the dream God gives you. That's why you got to be careful what you tell. But in 1 Samuel 17, 31, and when the words were heard which David spoke, they rehearsed them before Saul. Saul is the king, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You're but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said to Saul, Hear this, thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. 
And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Do you see that David has vision. Can you hear that David sees something? He sees what's going to happen. He sees that the Lord is going to deliver him and he knows who he is. He sees who he is because he said this giant, he's an uncircumcised Philistine. They don't have no covenant with God. These Philistines don't have no relationship with God. We, I have a relationship with God. I am a joint heir with Jesus. Now, now, he didn't say that. I'm saying that about us. We are joint heirs with Jesus. And the giant and situation in your life has nothing on you compared to that. And see, you need to see yourself as an overcomer and you see what you're going to do. And see, and David was just a young man. David is just a young boy. He's not a trained soldier. He's not a, 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 you know, a giant killer yet. He's not a warrior yet that we know about other than, you know, the, the, the bear and the lion. But think about all these other guys. Think about his brothers and these other soldiers. What type of vision did they have? They are scared. They're concerned. This giant is doing this day after day after day, coming out defying the armies of Israel, challenging them. And what do they do? Uh, they go and hide, hide in the trenches. Oh, no, don't, don't pick me. Don't look at me. <laughs> you know, don't send me out. They're scared. They had a vision of them being defeated. They had a vision of them losing. They had a, uh, a, you know, a vision of them getting squashed by this big five, 600 pound guy. That was their vision. But David had a different vision. David had a different vision. He had a different vision about himself and about the situation. It says in verse 42, and when a Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh into the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, Listen to this. David's got a vision. You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day will the Lord deliver you into my hand. Notice he's confident and he's given his, his faith has something to aim for. His faith has a vision. He said, this day will the Lord deliver you into my hand and I will smite you and take your head from you. And I will give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day into the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. And that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. David had a vision. He had a vision of victory inside that was bigger than the giant outside. So what's going to be bigger in your life? The giant, the problem, the fear of failure, the fear of defeat, the fear of this disease, or the vision of victory, or the vision of overcoming, or the vision of success. We need to ask ourselves, what's going to be bigger? Now think about this. Prior to this, David was just anointed to be king. David was just anointed. He's not king yet. And this is what I was talking about that I didn't see as clearly. So I don't know. David don't say this, but he's probably thinking, no, wait a minute. No, no, no. This is going to be my kingdom one day. This is going to be my kingdom. And ain't no giant in here. You're going to come and try to take my kingdom. I was anointed for this. I am anointed king over Israel. I'm not king yet because Saul is still king, but I'm anointed. It's going to be my kingdom one day. And ain't no giant going to come in here and take that away from me. David had a vision. Do you see that David knew who he was called to be? He knew what he was called to do. He knew who he was. And the Bible says that you that have been born again, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a, a special 
people, God's chosen possessions to go and show forth his praises, his works, to be a light in the darkness. The Bible says in, in Revelation that he has called unto you kings and priests. That is who you are, that you need to get a vision of who you are. You are anointed by God. And David saw that I'm anointed by God. I've been chosen to be king. I can't die out here on this battlefield. I'm going to take this giant's head off. And when we get that type of vision inside of us, we, our faith has something to bring to pass and it will come to pass if we don't let go of that vision. Amen. We hope this message has encouraged you today. For more information on our ministry or to donate, visit onewayministries.net.